Hello and welcome to today's Provcast. I'm Andrew Teacher from Blackstock Consulting and we're talking about leasehold reform and I'm joined here today by Sebastian O'Kelly who is founder and managing director at the Leasehold Advisory Partnership and by Marianne Boring who is the founder and MD at Ringley Group. And Sebastian, there have been a number uh, of, of pretty seismic changes over the last few years, but there's, there's still there's still some it's quite, quite considerable concern uh, on, on various things by leaseholders. So how are you seeing the current landscape? Well, we've had the promise from the government to ban leasehold houses and to set new ground rents to zero. And that was promised in December 2017 by Sajid Javid, and we're still waiting. And the second of those two, the setting of new ground rents to zero, would be extremely beneficial. And it would reset the, um, the leasehold system and would give power to the consumers. So that would be the most important thing. And we have at the moment three reports going through the Law Commission, one on enfranchisement, one on right to manage, one on common hold, the right to manage and common hold ones we're expecting in June, so that will also put an impetus to leasehold reform. So it is coming. Um, it's simply a question of when. We've been waiting for two and a half years so far. And, and in terms of some of the problems that have been addressed, where have we seen some movement and success? What are some of the issues that, that you feel satisfied have been taken care of? Well, I'm very pleased with the um, that we brought the doubling ground rent and leasehold houses scandal to public attention, which we managed to do from uh, October 2016. And that resulted in Taylor Wimpy putting aside £130 million to put right um, its disadvantaged former customers. And we've now had, in February, the, the Competition and Markets Authority um, declaring that there has indeed been mis-selling and it is going to pursue PLC house builders to put things right with the with leaseholders who are wrongly sold these products and it's also examined closely the role of conveyancing solicitors who seem to have been a uh, little more than a developer's stooge in this uh, in this weighted sales process yeah i mean is, what role does the law commission have in that because I mean, this is a, a conversation we, we've had in the past isn't it around around the role of the law commission on on these things because it, it sort of seems, seems a little bit like they've, they've been sat there with their fingers in their ears humming along much yeah. like the, the FCA on other issues. They're not dealing with the, um, I'm, I'm the conveyancing solicitors is, uh, is probably litigation um, and, uh, and there have indeed been, I mean, where are 17 cases which have settled against uh, conveyancing solicitors and who didn't inform buyers that the consequences of doubling ground rent. Law Commission isn't looking at that. It's looking at things like the enfranchisement industry, which is huge, it's multi-billion pound industry, um, and it's brought out a rather weak report of that complicated subject and then we've got the common hold and uh, and right to manage ones uh, so it's laying out I, I guess a sort of blueprint for the government to follow although I think the government's probably scratching its head on what to do about enfranchisement to be frank. Mm. Um, Marianne in, in terms of this brave new world that Sebastian talks about how 
workable is it from your perspective? So, so tell us a little bit for, for just to start about the, the companies that you work with and how, how they've been affected by this. So we work with a range of companies, but mostly resident controlled entities. So those will either be freehold management companies, resident management companies where they're written into the lease or even right to manage companies. And, and those the buildings that they manage are, are, are what? What size buildings are we talking about? Everything from three flats who may have bought the freehold, even possibly auction cheaply, through to blocks of six, seven hundred uh, flats on a wider master scheme development. So they could be owned by an institutional investor, by a house builder? Yeah, the freehold could certainly be owned separately. I mean, where I see the danger is that um, if we move to common hold, then we're basically disassociating the whole of the freehold land owning process. Um, but if we're going to keep freehold in some way, shape or form, then the challenge is with no ground rent, how do you remunerate a professional landlord for taking the risk of holding that building? So, 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 so let's, let's hold on that point for a second. So, so step back a second, explain to us what common hold means. What does moving to common hold entail if we did that? Um, possibly being European is the simplest way to sort of understand it, but it's condiniums where so you separate own... toilets. That's what I associate <laughs> with, with with European apartments. Uh, no, not quite. But you're owning, if you like, a tranche of the land space and common parts in common with your neighbours. It means you have to, to then pony up if the lift breaks. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. So and that that plays to the point you were making then around uh, essentially remunerating landlords for holding a building. So explain what you mean by that. Well, at the moment, a landlord has three main sources of income. So he's got um, the ground rent, he's got consents in dealings, he's got insurance commission, and then he's got the hope value of either selling the freehold later or lease extensions. So there is a commercial reason that a landlord sees this as an investment. So as well as um, potentially stripping out an investment market, what I'm worried about is whether all blocks all resident entities are actually equipped enough or well advised enough or professional enough in property to actually be able to ensure that the housing stock is maintained to a better standard rather than possibly maintained in self-interest or in a, with a goal to reduce the service charge. So, so in short, if there's a third party investor in play who's looking to profit, they've got a vested interest in keeping the building safe, happy and clean. Um, they have to because, in theory, they've um, they're liable to be sued for non-performance of the freehold covenants in the lease. And, and how, how 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 much of a how likely is that then? Sorry, um, just to emphasize, there's one thing that they've they also have development potential of a site, which True. is relevant now because um, the government is going to allow two extra stories on existing blocks of flats. So that has hugely increased the value of. I mean, uh, what that's done to the Law Commission's report on enfranchisement is anyone's guess, you know, because it's hugely increased the value of the freehold and going and saying, look, I've got another couple of penthouses on this thing. So another million quid, please. So, um, I mean, that, that said, the value of the ground rent in an enfranchisement premium isn't the largest factor uh, by any means. It's always the hope value or the length of the lease. Mm. And there's no... Mm. But, but just, Sebastian, I'm, in, I'm interested in your view around Marianne's point that the current system enables housing stock to be to be well maintained is that an argument you recommend? yeah it is a, it's it's a powerful argument um, actually but I think you'd have to have a look at the Australian market which uh, brought in strata title which is 
What, what does that mean? Expensive? That means common hold. It's their word for common hold. It's also been... Strata, mate. Strata, yeah. It's been applied in Singapore and in uh, South Africa, um, and you have versions of it in North America. So, But it's quite an interesting one because it came in in the 1960s when the Australians were beginning to build sort of vertical, vertical buildings, communal buildings. And, um, and they wanted to have this rather than leasehold. So leasehold tends to be a sort of local authority tenure there and very much a declining one. So I, I don't know. Um, there, is, there is a serious problem in, with flats in England and Wales, the only two countries in the world which sell flats as long tenancies. And it is that uh, flat owners are incredibly ill-informed, and I would say deliberately and purposefully ill-informed about the tenure that they have acquired that doesn't matter doesn't matter whether it's 140 million quid gaff in one Hyde Park or you know a, a one bedroom flat and three railway cuttings people seem to be pretty ill-informed about it and we often go to very fancy blocks of London in London to try to resolve their leasehold issues so this time is that though is that people just badly advised or do they just spend more time looking at the uh, tv the TV system. No, it's, it is highly complicated. All leases, you know, we've set up a system where we have about um, well, five and a half million leases in the country, and they're all different. All will be different lengths. There'll be different sort of uh, obligations in them. Uh, some will ban pets, some won't. Some will ban wooden floors, some won't. There's no consistency to it, whereas um, a common hold structure is consistent. You know, it is common hold strata title in Australia is absolutely uniform from block to block. So it's much, much more simple to understand. People in Italy, when they buy a flat, know what they're buying, know what their oblig- obligation is going to be, know that they've got to keep, you know, keep on with their, keep on the good side of their neighbours and sort out their block of flats with their neighbours or the place is going to go to rack and ruin and the capital value will go down. But Marianne's argument is if, if there has to be some imperative to do that because if you're just a tenant renting a flat off of someone else... Well, I... Well, I what, what, uh, but, okay, what well, impetus do you let, have? No, okay, well, let's deal with that. I mean, I, I do agree with you that there is this. Um, it's a perfectly leg- legitimate and sensible question to ask that if you don't have the freeholders, will flats, blocks of flats go to rack and ruin and will leaseholder or flat owners chase to the bottom and pay as little in service charges as they possibly can get away with? I mean, the obvious downside to that would be um, that their capital value would go down and maybe... People just interested in the short-term income won't care about that particularly. But even in with strata title, you will have what in this country we have section 24s. So when the, when a block of flats is, becomes a sort of ward of court, if you like, and the management of the site is, has a professional manager. Well, Marianne does this. So a professional manager is appointed by the court, answerable to the court. Doesn't matter what the flat owners say that they, whether they want to pay £10,000 for a new roof or not, he or she will make the best decision for the block of flats in the in the interests of all, according to her professional judgment. That would happen with common hold as well. So there must be this, there must be the possibility of wider society to intervene. If a block of flats is really not being managed properly or they're all squabblings amongst themselves, then a block must be taken into care and a professional must say, you've got to spend this, chaps. That sounds pretty complicated. I think there's also um, the fact that people may not know that they're not managing their block properly. I mean, the freehold will have an um, interest to ensure that the building is insured for the right amount, which means an expensive insurance valuation, perhaps. And by carrying this out, should the worst come, the surety of the continuity of the block is, is there. OK, can we just uh, stop on insurance then? Because yeah. what about the disadvantage with a freeholder having insurance? So if you've got a sort of portfolio of 100 properties and one insurance contract, you're very much disincentivized to actually claim 
claim on that insurance. You want to keep your premium down for the whole of your portfolio. And that's a real, the bane of leaseholders' lives is that when a roof blows off or something like that, they want to say, well, claim on the insurance. And of course, they pay for the insurance, but they're not a contracted party to the insurance. So they're completely powerless to do anything about making an insurance um, company pay up. And if the freeholders goes away and says, oh, I'm quite happy with you turning down my claim, the leaseholders are shafted. And I come across this again and again. True. I mean, we have a lot less problems on insurance in that scenario. I mean, an awful lot of leases do say that the uh, mortgagee's got an interest in it or the policy's in joint name. So I'm not, in our practice of tens of thousands of units, that's not a prevalent issue. The prevalent issue to us is either... Um, insurance being well underinsured, customers not necessarily wanting to get professional advice to get that correctly insured, reserve clauses perhaps not existing in the lease, unlike Scotland, which basically writes in reserve clauses where they're missing, we don't, therefore no provisions to necessarily collect the money that you need. So what's, what's to explain a reserve clause to people listening that may not know? Sure, so a reserve clause is basically where you're putting aside money for the future for six So it's like works. a sinking fund? It is. Sinking fund is generally not used in the residential arena. That's much more of a commercial term. Yeah. Sinking funds restricted to one item, reserve clauses general. Okay, I uh, stand corrected. But, but effectively, <laughs> effectively, if you're not putting money away from the future, when the future comes, you've got a problem. Or if you've got a lease which requires you to demand the whole amount in one year, if you don't spend it in that year and get through two or three stages of consultation, then you've actually got to give the money back and start all over again. Yeah. So, I mean, so how, how can all this be managed better? Because, I mean, I think everybody knows someone somewhere that, that's moved into a flat and at some point has been faced with a massive bill for the roof or something ridiculous. I- yeah. What you know, we're listing lots of problems, guys. What are the solutions? This I, is a this is my pretty Patel face. Yeah, no, okay. I, I think we, I think we should be realistic and say that you know, people being people, when they live together in a community, are going to squabble, and you get squabbles in uh, commonhold just as much as you do in leasehold. What you don't have in commonhold is the third party. Um, freeholder whose investment is a full one percent of the value of the block of flats that's the absolute anomaly of this a person with such a minimal financial stake in in a building has such a preponderance of power uh, it's he who uh, set, sets who uh, places the insurance contract you pay for it he places it he does the permission he if you want to have a keep a cat you know he's the person that gives the gives the consent for you to keep a cat and and remunerates himself as a, as a result of this that is just the absurdity of this so what what is the solution because we know we certainly know from uh from today's budget that the government is looking more towards the digital plane when it comes to things like planning we know that uh um that there is a, a greater focus on using technology. And, and, it, and it would seem if what you see as a solution here is uniformity across buildings, across clauses, across different different geographic areas, then, then surely there is a uh, there is a digital solution here somewhere. Well, I would hope that's the case. And we, and we work in the uh, Open Data Institute, which is the institute set up by Tim Berners-Lee to make you know publicly available data socially useful and, and widespread. And um, it would—it is my aim to have a sort of database of every single apartment block in the country, so you can look up and see the lease, see what the ground rent terms are, see how many years there are left on the lease, and it's all there immediately. That would be hugely useful for consumers. And, and, and Marianne, from your perspective, obviously 
Ringly of a number of technology platforms that that you use and that that you, that you offer your clients. Where do you see technology being able to solve some of the issues that we've discussed? Because I mean, presumably things like insurance are, are relatively straightforward transactions, aren't they? Yeah, all of the transactions in property are generally straightforward. The problem is there's so many of them and they all have different routes and flowcharts and ways of dealing with them. The, the difficulties are complexity of understanding the array of them because each of the leaseholders experience a different one. What about squabbles over commissions, insurance commissions? That's uh, well, not so, all, all that's of those ones frequent. we've taken to tribunal <laughs> tend yeah. to get settled outside because the yeah. freeholder doesn't want to set a present against them. Mm-hmm. So there are arms in that. Um, and yes, Sebastian's absolutely right. There are arms with right to manage. There are arms with court-appointed managers. So there are routes out of these things. Um, But there's quite a lot of leases which says that um, if I've got a squabble with Sebastian, um, if I indemnify the freeholder, he'll take action. If I'm in a resident-controlled entity, if the rest of the block think I'm a nuisance, they may never put me in that position. So so what do do you recognise some of the problems that that Sebastian is is flagging leasehold is full of problems and i don't think there's a perfect solution to everything i mean where we've got a lot of small stock in the uk we've got a lot of buildings converted into three or four flats where i think um it's even more difficult when you're building new build buildings that are purpose built and let's say the lifespan of those is 150 years plus um, you can see that common hold is probably a good way because you've disincentivized the freeholder. He's got no ground rent, so he may as well do common hold. All the time he had ground rent, common hold was never, ever going to take off. This but, is this is a chance of it getting teeth in this country. But I, I think one of the other gripes that consumers have is that you know, people just don't want to put their hand in the money for managing agents because they, they consider them to not add any value at all. Where do you stand on that? I mean, if you're if you're if you're a freeholder with a few flats, why do you need a managing agent? Um, sometimes distance, sometimes objectivity, sometimes professional advice to know what you should be doing, and ultimately to protect yourself. If you don't do what the lease says you should do, then you can be sued for diminution in value because somebody's flat is getting pro rata to others of similar type worth less, or specific performance of a covenant. Um, is it not possible to on. use? Can you not use software to deal with some of these issues? Why do you need an actual human being? Um, the main reason is because we're actually managing people who live in the buildings. Managing yeah, the building yeah. is the easy bit. I have to say that, you know, I, loads of leaseholders get in touch with me. You know, it's, we have an advice service and all the rest of it. And if there's a block of flats that's more than about six people, I'd say get a managing agent. It doesn't matter that it, you're right that it can be automated and they are um, companies out there which do a sort of very much hands-off thing you know you organize all the sort of gardeners and all the rest of it and we'll do the accounts and the basic compliance fast safety and really important things like that I mean uh, managing agents are have a high skill set and a massive law you know legislation to 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 comply with and it's inconceivable really that an amateur um, could or should do this so um, you know I've got huge respect for managing agents and think that they you know they are absolutely essential the other thing is that it's such a recipe for squabbling if you try to manage a block of flats of 25 flats one individual doing it oh you know I think it's um, it, it's a recipe for disaster really or setting up petty tyrannies you know 
So we sort of solved that problem by having, as Sebastian says, a financial and administration package, but we find that every four or five years, those clients upgrade to full management when they've got to go through Section 20 strategy, external works and problems, then they downgrade again to, if you like, a sleeping watch product until the next decoration cycle comes. So smaller blocks, yes, they need the same expertise. They just need it in different quantum, not all the time. So so let's, to, to wrap things up then, guys, what what... What do you think can and will change over the next couple of years to, to, to deal with some of the issues that we've had and ultimately to enable consumers to have a bit more trust in both the system and the landlords? What, what, well, common hold and prescriptive drafting um, brings conformity and brings understanding. Um, without ground rents being a barrier, I see that that will be adopted further in the future. And, and, and Sebastian, in terms of your suggested reforms, you're, you're not suggesting that we rip up everything that's already been agreed are you well i kind of am really because uh the problem with leasehold is um we reform it every 15 years or so and it still doesn't work surely the message i mean i was looking at um hansard in the 1880s the other day i mean god uh, forgive me a rather boring life idea but i mean they were making exactly the same points as i'm making now you know uh so maybe the system is wrong just the solution to leasehold is stop creating more long tenancies as flats, to create them as proper property ownership, share of freehold, you know, common hold, in, in other words, and go forward with that. But uh, what do you really do in the situation where a cooperative, if you like, of people can't decide the block's obsolete and needs redevelopment? Well, that is a Section 24 issue, At I least say. in the current... You know, a council can intervene or a minority of the... Well, a council can intervene for management, but yeah. not necessarily to demolish and rebuild an entire block in the same well, way. Well, compulsory purchase is an option. I mean, blocks of flats are being knocked down in Southwark as we speak. So, you know, it, uh, there, are, there are other means for that but i'll just make a couple of points one common hold is on the statute book it's passed in 2002 so it exists it wasn't made compulsory so of course builders don't do it because they make more money out of leasehold the other thing is that there's i mean and this is really a question for marianne what do you think about something like enfranchisement this is where a group of leaseholders can compulsorily purchase the freehold off another private citizen in what other area of law can private citizens compulsorily purchase the property of somebody else. It's allowed in leasehold, but in no other area of law. These are the kind of legal somersaults that have been done to make leasehold work, and it still doesn't work. So, and as we're building so many more blocks of flats, my sort of leaving thought would be, we've got one Duke of Westminster, we're well on the way to creating a 100 of them. Stop. Just stop creating investment assets in people's homes. There's no need for it. It's not pension funds buying these ground rents now. It's private equity off and off. What about the, the existing funds that own them? What happens to those guys? Are well, you, we haven't suggest- made any suggestion about existing ground rents because it would cost the taxpayer a fortune to sort of divvy up on that. So we're just saying don't create new ones. But the pension exposure to, to, to ground rents is not that great, according to the Prudential Regulatory Authority, who we, who we met very recently, one of our trustees is a former economist there. So I don't, the, the truth of the matter is that ground rents have been very attractive to outfits like Long Harbour, you know, £1.8 billion investment fund with Hutchinson Wamper in there somewhere. It's, a, uh, it's private equity and it's mainly offshore. And, and, and Marianne, from your perspective, and just, just to close things, um, what what is there one thing you, you think that, that that can address some of Sebastian's concerns that will also be digestible for some of your clients, your partners? 
Uh, well, my worry is is where the income's going to be displaced from. So are you know taxes on land going to go down? Are land prices going to go down? Are the costs that are not raised from freehold ground rent sales go on going to go on to increased purchase prices of the flats in the first place? Um, the business model of developers will have to change. So which part of the, if you like, the pie that makes up their income is going to compensate? Well, one answer to that is, uh, if you look at the Barclays, um, the Barclay Group's um, accounts, the 8 million quid of freehold sales seems to coincide absolutely exactly with the bonuses paid to the chief to the senior executives of the Barclay Group. So I think, and they're quite, I'm sure the Barclay Group will survive a loss of ground rents. It's far too competent business to go under just because of the loss of that. Oh, I'm sure they'll survive. The mm. question is, is where they displace and try to get the income from instead. Mm. Yeah. So your worry is that, that consumers always pay one way or the other. That it, is, that's the it, underlying This is a good concern. point, actually. With, 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 I mean, retirement house builders have made this point that they should be exempted from... Ground rents are very, very high in retirement housing. They're not. There's no mortgages involved, so no mortgage lender is going to refuse loan on it. And they argue that the ground rent compensates them for building the communal areas that you get in retirement sites. But as they move to a more managed long-term model, I think you'll find this argument falls away a bit. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sebastian O'Kelly, and also Marianne Boring. And uh, it, it would seem that the uh, debate around leasehold reform will continue. So let's watch this space and we'll be interested to hear back from both of you in the coming months. Thanks a lot for listening. I've been Andrew Teacher and this has been the Blackstock Consulting Propcast.